0: Welcome to Russian History Retold. Episode number 200, Musings of a Russian History Podcaster. Last time, we recounted the multitude of reasons why the superpower known as the Soviet Union collapsed so rapidly in 1991. Today, on episode 200 of the Russian Rulers History Podcast, also known as Russian History Retold, I will share with you my favorite memories and feelings about this 10-year-plus adventure. Back in February of 2009, I had a foolish idea about doing a podcast about Russian history. I asked myself, what do I want to share about Russia and its thousand-year existence? While doing the research, I found that most of the material was about the rulers of the land that began as the land of the Rus in what is now Ukraine and north around Novgorod. What I've discovered over the 10 years since publishing Episode 1 is a history that is far richer than I ever could have imagined. On April 30th, 2009, I put out Episode 1, and to call it a flop is to put it mildly. The first four episodes were met with a slew of pretty bad reviews, especially from the podcast reviewer, Anne is the Man. He ripped into the podcast but gave it a few stars for trying to share a history that, at the time, was untouched. His comments were mostly about the quality of the sound, especially the popping noises. Did some more research and upgraded my equipment, including adding a pop screen in front of the microphone. Well, true to his word, and did another review, and this time he gave me two thumbs up. Within a week, I had over a thousand listeners, and it grew from there. Initially, I had intended for the podcast to last about two years and about 50 episodes. Boy, was I ever wrong. Here we are in December of 2019, and I still can't stop, even though I've tried a few times. The history of Russia is so rich with people who have made their mark on the world that I'm finding new things to research and relate to all of you that it may be another 10 years before I've exhausted the material available. Since I started the podcast as an episodic review of the rulers of Russia, the obvious first question I need to answer is, who is my favorite leader and who who did I dislike the most and why? Well, The answer to the former is Peter the Great. What hit me was when I ended episode 38 with the death of Peter, I genuinely felt sad. I'd come to know the giant of a man and how he helped to alter Russia into a more modern and powerful nation. With all of his flaws, and he had many, Peter was still a transformative figure that still resonates today. As for my least favorite ruler, hands down, it has to be Paul, the son of Catherine the Great. I covered him for the first time in episode 52, and even then, I had a great disdain for his short, four-and-a-half-year reign. His adoption of a new succession order that overturned Peter the Great's system known as the Pauline Laws. It decreed that only the eldest son of the Tsar could take over with the Tsar's death or abdication. If the eldest son did not want the title, the next oldest would be given the job, and so on. Peter had decreed that the Tsar could choose who he or she wanted to be their successor, presumably based on merit, not just birth position. Because of Paul's hatred of his mother, Catherine the Great, he made it almost impossible for a woman to become empress. It would only be the total extinction of the entire line of males of the line that a woman could become head of Russia. It's been a long-standing claim of mine that the Pauline laws were part of the downfall of the Romanovs, starting with the accession of Nicholas I, which triggered the 1825 Decembrist revolt. As you remember, With the supposed death of Alexander I in 1825, his oldest brother, Constantine, was next in line. He turned down the offer, somewhat in secret, so it went to Nicholas. The royal guards had already pledged their allegiance to Constantine, so when he publicly renounced the throne, all hell broke loose. There was already an air of unrest in the officer corps of the Russian army at the time, as they had returned from Western Europe from the Napoleonic Wars, having seen how much better their allies' lives were, especially the peasant class. Numerous rebel organizations had sprung up, with the biggest being the Northern Society and also the Southern Society, both of whom were brutally suppressed after the failed revolt. Although the rebellion failed, it did spur on a revolutionary spirit within Russia, something that was almost unheard of among the middle and upper class. Alexander Pushkin was inspired to write odes to those who fought in 1825, and the great Leo Tolstoy was inspired to author his seminal work, War and Peace, in part due to the Decembrist movement. There are other things Paul, about Paul I dislike, kind of like his supposed eccentric personality. He was known to be generous at times, but on a whim, he could become very vindictive. One case in point, was the treatment of the greatest general in Russian history, Alexander Suvorov? In 1800, Suvorov defeated the French army and was supposed to receive a parade in his honor when he returned to St. Petersburg. But the petty little man that Tsar Paul was ordered the tribute canceled. Just a few weeks later, General Suvorov died. To make matters even worse, instead of giving him a general's funeral, He was buried as an ordinary field marshal. This was a man who won every single battle he led, yet Paul couldn't get over the fact that his mother liked him. In what little part of life is called karma, I just learned while researching this segment that Suvorov's daughter, Natalia Alexandrovna, known under her name Suvorochka, married one Count Nikolai Zubov. Zubov was to be one of the leaders in the plot to overthrow and assassinate Tsar Paul. It has been said that he hit Paul over the head with a metal snuff box that knocked him to the ground, where the other officers in the plot strangled Paul to death. The military really disliked him as he tried to make them into a model based on the Prussian military system, with their constant parading and over-the-top discipline. Paul once ordered an entire regiment to march to Siberia, because he found them to be too lazy in their marching. Luckily for them, Paul was also mercurial in his behavior, and after they walked for 10 miles, he ordered them to return. Of course, he wasn't all bad, as he did release more serfs from their bondage in his short four-year reign than his mother Catherine did in her 34 years on top. Coming in at a close second for my most disliked ruler of Russia, I'd have to go with Vasily Fourth who was a czar for a short period, also about four years. And this was during the time of troubles. He was a member of the Shuisky boyer family, who, by this time, was one of the most corrupt people in Russia, or corrupt families in Russia, with Vasily being one of the worst. He was noted for being one of the chief investigators of the death of Prince Dmitry Ivanovich, the youngest son of Ivan the Terrible. Vasily was sent to the town of Uglitch, where the boy and his mother, Maria Nagaya, were exiled to by Boris Gudunov. It was Vasily who proclaimed that the boy had stabbed himself to death while having an epileptic fit, which, I believe, was a cover-up of the real killer. Boris Gudunov likely had an assassin do the deed. Whatever the real story, Vasily knew that the boy was dead. When the first false Dimitri popped up in 1605, it was Vasily who told everyone that yes, yes, this is the real Dimitri. Of course, the claim of Dimitri was bolstered even further when Maria Nagaya also agreed that this was her long-lost son. After a few months, Vasily began to resent Dimitri and plotted with the other boyars to retake the throne from the imposter and put himself in charge. This Dmitri tried to flee from the mob of boyars sent to oust him, but he broke his leg after jumping out of the window. He was killed when his body was after his body was put on display and then cremated with the ashes allegedly shot from a cannon towards Poland. Vasily was to rule in name only from May 19th, 1606 to July 19th, 1610, where he was deposed by Princes Voronetsky and Mr. Slotsky sent into exile in Poland where he was made a monk, and he subsequently died in 1613 in a castle near Warsaw. Moving on to another person, this has to be the saddest life of anyone who is considered a ruler of Russia, although this young boy never had any power to speak of. Of course, we're talking about Ivan VI. He was a mere two years old when he ascended to the throne after the death of Tsarina Anna. Ivan's mother, Anna Leopoldnova, of Mecklenburg-Schwerin, served as his regent. His reign, if you can call it one, lasted from October 28, 1740 until December 6, 1741. Elizabeth, one of the daughters of Peter the Great, and his second wife, Catherine, overthrew the boy and his mother, imprisoning him first in the fortress of Dunamunda, then to the White Sea town of Kolmogory. For about the next 12 years. It is here that he was totally isolated, unable to speak or contact any other human being. When rumors circulated that he was in the town, he was moved to the fortress of Schisselberg near St. Petersburg. When Peter III became Tsar in 1762, he visited the young man, but he was in pretty bad shape by then, likely having gone mad due to the isolation. Peter was thinking of freeing him, but he was overthrown by his wife, the future Catherine the Great, just a few weeks later. She ordered Ivan to be shackled, that if any attempt is made to free him, that he is to be executed immediately. Of course, a guard, Sub-Lieutenant Vasily Mirovich, hatched a plan to free Ivan when he learned of his identity. One of Ivan's jailers learned of the plot and killed him, putting him out of his horribly miserable life. The question I've been asked many times over the past 10 years is, what moments in Russian history would you have liked to be at when it happened? I can't say that I have just one. I actually have quite a few, as you might imagine. I'm going to list them chronologically and give you my reasons why they interest me so much. The first one would be in the time of Vladimir the Great, when he made the decision to choose Orthodoxy as the official religion of the Rus'. I'd like to find out if the legends that he sent representatives out to the major religious leaders of the world to report back to him about the pros and cons of each faith. Or was it the influence of his grandmother, Olga of Kiev, who swayed his opinion? Or was it just politically and militarily expedient of him to ally himself and his people with the superpower of the region, the Byzantine Empire? Next up on my places and events to visit, be the city of Kiev, under the rule of Yaroslav the Wise, when the city was at its cultural and military peak. Kiev was one of the most opulent places in Europe during Yaroslav's reign from 1019 to 1054. His children would marry royalty from Norway, France, Hungary, and as far as England. The land of the Rus was part of the European community which would end with the coming of the people that I'm going to mention next. Third place in Russian history I'd like to pop into is the Battle of Kalka River in May 1223, where the Mongols invaded the land of the Rus and laid waste to their armies. I'm interested to see how the Mongol army operated, how they were supposedly the greatest horse archers in history, and not so much of the blood and guts of all the men that died that day. Even though the Mongols retreated after their victory, they would return and put Russia under its yoke from 1237 until 1480. Jumping forward to the time of Ivan Grozny, I'd like to be in two places during his reign. The first would be the siege of Kazan in 1552. Starting on June 16th and ending on October 2nd, it marked the end of that particular part of the Mongols, who had raided Russian territories and taken tens of thousands of citizens to be sold as slaves. After the victory, Ivan had numerous churches constructed to celebrate the triumph, with the most famous being St. Basil's Cathedral on Red Square in Moscow. This was a time of the good Ivan, one who had the calming hand of his first wife, Anastasia Romanovna. She was able to keep his temper in check. The second moment in his reign would be the time he struck and killed his son and successor, Ivan. I would like to see what was really going through the elder Ivan's mind at the time, to see that famous temper, and whether he really wept and felt remorseful with his son's death. Next up is the Zemsky Sabor of 1613, when a new czar, Michael, was elected, whose family would rule over Russia for 314 years the Romanovs. What was the debate like? Who were the other candidates? And why did they choose Michael? Were given some reasons by writers of the time, but were they prejudiced in wanting to put out a story that propped up what was a very tenuous early time for the new czar? Fast forward to the great embassy of Peter the Great, which began on March 9, 1697, and lasted until their return to Moscow on August 25, 1698. Not only do you get to hang out and party with his band of merry men, and to witness the unbelievable energy of Peter, you'd get to visit all the cities of Europe that the Grand Embassy visited, and you get to trash a few houses as well. Next up would be the coup d'etat of July of 1762 that brought Catherine the Great to the throne of Russia how did things really happen? How did Peter III die? Was he sniveling in fear, or did he try to hide behind the curtains, as some have suggested? What role did Catherine play, and did she want her husband dead? Lots of questions that would be answered if I could have been there. The next event I would have loved to witness was the death, or supposed death, of Tsar Alexander I, and Taganrog on November 19, 1825. I covered the possibility that Alexander faked his death to become the monk Fyodor Kuzmich in episode 130. While most scholars dismiss the idea, the book I based the story on by Alexis Trubetskoy, Imperial Legend, The Mysterious Disappearance of Tsar Alexander I, gives us tantalizing clues that shed doubt on the official story that the Tsar had died. What I would give to have been there and discovered the truth. Instead of an event, I would have loved to sit down with Leo Tolstoy, preferably later in his life after many of his works were published. Just talk to him. No real penetrating questions, only to find out what he thought about his world and Russia in particular. I imagine it would be a marvelous time whisking through history, my next stop would be the death of Stalin. I'm sure quite a number of you have seen the satirical movie by the same name. If not, do so, as as funny as it can be. The reason I want to be there is to see the real events that happened when he was in his last moments of life. How did Beria really behave? Did he curse Stalin when he thought he was dead, only to prostrate himself when the leader looked like he might pull through out of a stupor? How did the rest of the leadership behave, and what did they say to each other after Stalin's death? My last stop is the Kremlin, and in particular, Khrushchev's office during the Cuban Missile Crisis. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall listening to the debates within the communist leadership of the Soviet Union, as well as the phone calls between Khrushchev and other leaders, and possibly John Kennedy. The tension in those rooms must have been Electric. Well, that's our tour of the moments of Russian history that I wanted to see firsthand. Lastly, I want to thank all of you, my devoted and numerous listeners. You inspire me to continue on this long journey into the depths of Russian history. Many of you have forgiven me for the butchery of people's names and places in Russia. Many of you have written me personal notes thanking me for the podcast. The Facebook Russian Rulers History page and all the comments, pictures, and stories all of you have shared over the past 10 plus years has been awesome. I'm telling you, we're still getting anywhere from 10 to 20 new people every single week asking to join. I feel like I have a whole community of friends I would never have had without our mutual love for Russian history. Again, thank you all. Join me next time when I go back to the series of Russian rulers I left a while back, and let's take a look at the life and times of Ivan Grozny, or as some like to call him, Ivan the Terrible. But before I go, I'd like to share something very Russian, a recommendation of a really good vodka. I live in Reno, Nevada, which is nowhere near Las Vegas, so just get that straight. In fact, it's over 400 miles away. But near me in the little town of Minden, a company called Source One makes one of the best vodkas I've ever tried, and this is not an advertisement for them. I just came upon them just a week ago, and they were just it's amazing. And you can find them online at www.sourceonevodka.com. one uh, Tell them Mark from the Russian Rulers History Podcast sent you. So is net always. Dasvidaniya, y spasiba Bolshoya.